Do you believe that there is more to life than just a grind? Even if maybe you don't know what it is that there is. If so, you find yourself in the right place. Welcome to the Starry Sky and Witchy Things podcast. I'm Alexis, your new witchy beefer. I'm known as Asteria in witchy circles. I'm a photographer by day and star obsessed urban witch by night. Sometimes the opposite, often both at once. And I'm as star obsessed as Natsuki Shinomiya in Utapri. Or just a warning, there would be loads of otaku references. I'm a Capricorn Sun, Scorpio Moon and Scorpio Rising, probably a Lyran Star Seed, a Tarot Lover and all of my lipsticks have a spell on them. I started this podcast to share my passion and the empowerment and self-love that Cosmic Witchcraft brought into my life. Come every Thursday for captivating conversations about life, business and magic that blend the practical with the woo. I bring you all-out history geek solo episodes and amazing guests to explore the ways in which we can bring more enchantment into our lives. Ready to live life limitless? If you're new then to this show, let's dive welcome. into today's episode. If you are a returning friend, welcome back. Today things are going to look a little different than usual. Since we are now in Scorpio season and the month of the witch is coming to a close, I'm doing an episode celebrating some of the magical women in the life of this podcast by bringing you some highlights from season two and three. They aren't all witches, but they are all powerful. That's not to say that my guests from season four aren't, but that's the current season, so I didn't feel the need to refresh your memory just yet. But I'll take this opportunity to send a lot of love to Brandy and Beth, whose second half of our conversation will be coming next week anyway. And also sending love to Michael, who has done the honours of bringing the first voice of the Divine Masculine to this space. All the links to the original episodes will be in the show notes if you have not listened to them yet or you'd like to listen to them again. First up we have Dana of Self-Help Witch talking about her journey back to herself through Applied Astrology. And I was really interested especially when I first saw that your business name is the Self-Help Witch and would you like to talk about how that came about? Sure. So I kind of played around with the name a lot. I was Cosmic Clarity before that. And I, (laughs) this was summer of 2021. um, And I spent, you know, a lot of time getting my website ready. I was really proud of it. And then I launched it and I was like, you know what? This is not it. Like it just (laughs) didn't feel what I was going for. It felt very like 
almost corporate. Like it just didn't feel right. So I took a step back. I shut my website down and I did some like reflection at the end of the year in 2021. And I was just doing some like reflection questions. I wish I could remember. I think the question I was thinking about was in three words, what do you want to do? Or like, how do you want to be perceived? It was something like that. And self-help witch just came to mind. And I was like, okay, that's exactly it. You know, I used to think that I wanted to incorporate more like spell work and things like that, but that's something that um, I still feel like I'm learning. Like I, I don't feel ready to be like teaching people about that. Um, So it's the astrology piece. And then the self-help piece is like what brought me to astrology. It's the thing that I feel I can uniquely offer around astrology. Um, which I think we're going to get more into here in a, in a yeah, moment. Yeah, because yes, we are talking about your approach on how applied astrology can help you grow as a person and heal things that have been passed. I think a lot of criticism that comes from people outside of astrology circles tends to be that they see it as just looking at the future and kind of like, oh, I'm going to look at the horoscope on the magazine to see if today's going to be a lucky day, which has a space in it. There is an argument and a lot of more arguments. There's all of the placebo effect that you have if you kind of get in your mind to think this is going to be a good day because my horoscope says so. So even on a scientific, no need to believe in any kind of effect or anything on an energetic level. There's no argument that that's true, but that's kind of like really limiting. And so that's one thing that I was blown away, but just realizing how deep it can actually go, because you did teach me a fair amount of stuff that I didn't know already. So how did the approach come to be? Was a... Yeah, it, well, it was my personal journey, honestly. And I think that it's so fascinating because if I hadn't gone on my own self-help journey, I would not be here talking to you about this. And I feel very passionately about this work and how important it is. Um, So how did I get here? Um, In 2017, I moved back to St. Louis, Missouri from San Diego, where I had been living for four years. Um, And I did not know at the time it was the beginning of my Saturn return, which was interesting because my fourth house is where Saturn is. So I literally went home at the beginning of my Saturn return, totally unaware. And for those listening, the fourth house is the home, the family. So anyway, I go home and I am thinking it's going to be a great new start for me. I was in a relationship with someone from high school. I get there and everything falls apart. Me and the guy break up two weeks later. My job is absolutely terrible. I literally think about quitting every day, like fantasize about walking out. So Saturn return hits hard, long story short. And this kind of culminates with um, deciding to quit drinking. Now, this was when Pluto was in Capricorn as well. So I've got my Saturn return. I've got Pluto going over my natal Saturn. It was just a mess. Um, And again, I didn't know any of that when it was happening. Uh, So I decided to quit drinking. And this takes me on this self-help journey of like, all right, who am I? What's important to me? What are my values? And I kind of hit like a rock bottom with that because I realized that drinking was a substitute for so many things for me. 
Like I, I asked myself, what's fun for me? Like, what am I going to do to replace drinking? And I couldn't answer the question. Like I did not know what fun was in my own view was doing or just drinking. <laughs> Um, And so I realized I had a lot of learning to do about myself. Um, So I was in therapy, I was reading books. And ultimately, I didn't feel like I was getting the insight that I needed to really feel connected to myself, partially because there was always someone else involved. And I identified as a people pleaser. So I'm like, okay, I'm having these conversations with people. And I can still sense a part of myself that wants to be approved of and be validated. And I'm not being honest here. It's hard for me to be honest in a conversation right now. So I need something that can help me get to know me with just me. (laughs) And that's when I was like, I need to try something really unconventional. And I started using tarot. So I loved it. I love tarot, but I also felt like as someone who was new to that world, like it was really hard to get insight that I trusted because I was like, I I still not really, I don't trust my intuition yet. So I need something concrete. And that's when I got to my birth chart. Uh, and, And from there it was over. I just, the insights came quickly and they were so powerful. I was like, I know that this would help a lot of people because I think a lot of us, especially people who identify as women, get to this point in our lives where we're like, wait, who am I? <laughs> what am I doing? Um, what values have I been living my life from? I, and I think astrology can really help us get clear on that. The next clip is from April, who opened season two with an episode about the power of dreams. Here we talk about archetypes and integrating the shadow. I like symbols and archetypes. I like archetypes a lot because it can give you, I don't know, it's that role model maybe that you never had growing up. And so it can give you some role models that granted aren't always perfect. Mm -hmm. (laughs) A lot of these archetypes, you know, they have both shadow expressions and, you know, they have high highlight expressions, but whatever energy you're trying to embody uh, in that moment, you can bring to your, you know, to the forefront of your awareness, a certain archetype um, and kind of meditate, contemplate that, what that means, what that looks like. And then you can find yourself being able to um, embody that more. So yeah, I love archetypes. Going slightly back to the dream you mentioned, you wouldn't be getting dreams that are not, uh, they are about something you already integrated. Um, so is that potentially some, even either with a dream or like setting an intention before dreams and kind of like if you don't remember the dream still happen because that's like how the brain functions or with the active imagination from the book you mentioned? using the archetypes could be a way of uh, integrating something in, uh, on a deeper level. Yes. So at least with the active imagination, it's big on archetypes, um, like the hero's journey and those types of things. <laughs> of course. Um, yeah, because um, it's been uh, admittedly too long since I read the book, but what I was trying to remember is like when he – he was describing some of his practices with active imagination. And 
I really love Robert A. Johnson because he takes a lot of Carl Jung's um, stuff and puts it, not dumbs it down, but <laughs> makes it in such a way where I can understand it. Because Carl Jung, he was very cerebral, I think. Like, I don't feel like I'm necessarily that... Um, I mean, I don't think that I, I'm kind of book nerdish in some ways, but even this, like, it was just going over my head. But with Robert A. Johnson, he's like this beautiful medium, or if you want to call it that, in that he just like translates it into real talk, <laughs> where you can, yeah. where I'm able to understand it. And so a lot of what he says, he puts his own personal experience in there. And it's like, oh, wow, this is not just someone spouting off a bunch of rhetoric or what should be. Um, but it, they're, they're actually putting their, their real life experience uh, out there on the page for everyone to read. Uh, and you realize, wow, they are such a real person with a real human experience. And I think that that is uh, extremely helpful um, for me. I love listening to podcasters and reading books from people who I call real. Because <laughs> to me, it's just more, it's more tangible. I'm like, okay, these, this person is not, you know, so much more above me where they're not feeling the same things or having the same struggles. And I think a lot of people, including myself, we um, hesitate to be vulnerable um, and authentic because we don't want to be, I don't know, judged, you know, as being lower vibrational yeah. or, you know, whatever the thing is. So, but I love that he keeps it real. And one of the things that he mentions, if I'm remembering correctly, is that some of the, <sighs> we don't, do we cuss on your podcast? <laughs> or you no? can, yeah. <laughs> okay. Some of the crazy shit that we do is based off of like some neuroses that have been developing because these archetypes are not allowed to live out their stories. So sometimes like we want to be that hero, okay? We want to come in and save the day and have all these accolades and this very uh, aggrandized type of experience where if we are looking for that in our, you know, Monday through Friday, eight to five type job. And with um, our partner that we've known for years and years where things have gotten comfortable, like you're just not going to experience that same type of action movie romance type <laughs> um, throws of, of experience, you know? And so we can't deny ourselves those experiences because there's a part of us that really needs that. And if we like just suppress it and be like, oh, I don't need to feel like I'm a hero. You know, I don't need to feel like a conqueror. I don't need to feel all these things. Um, somehow, you know, that kind of just gets packed down into the subconscious and it can kind of reveal itself in very unhealthy ways can manifest in very uh you know shadow aspect ways instead of high vibe um the best way it could be so one of the things that he did um on a regular basis was journal 
like he would write himself as the as the hero and the main character and like write these you know crazy unbelievable <laughs> stories about how he comes in and he saves the day and um you know he gets all the love and adoration and things that he you know part of us wants and needs and craves um so he was able to find an outlet for that an expression for that and still show up on the 3D everyday mundane life as he's needed to be as a very humble person um very service oriented very understanding and not needing uh all of that attention and <laughs> things like that so um I, I love that his take on interpreting dreams and then also working with active imagination it is not i found so much acceptance in this book and there's another book called we and i love that as well because i think i'm going off on a side tangent here but we <laughs> is it sounds welcome it's about um, the psychology of romantic love and oh wow yeah it's like we're always like searching for to be completed and to have this really integrated feeling of being whole and loved and cherished and fought for and all those things and um spoiler alert <laughs> um that is like to go back to my um religious beliefs you know it's, it's a god-shaped hole basically that we're trying to fill what is not christian kosher kosher is the fact that um we are god <laughs> right so we can um and we are an aspect of that we are an expression of the divine and if we are constantly looking for other people or even other belief systems um, that have been codified, um, if we're looking for those to fulfill this very dynamic, ever-changing need within us, it's like, um, okay, so yeah, I totally got off on a tangent. But I love That's fine. How within his books, I have found not, not a rejection of the evil parts of myself because again as an enneagram one you feel very innately evil and bad like there's something just wrong with you so it was really transformative to not to get the the, the signal that stop rejecting like all these parts of you and like embrace them welcome them give them a healthy expression give them a healthy outlet explore those things and um, com with compassion and curiosity, instead of judgment and outcast them, because then they just grow and into these horrible monsters that take over your life. Another topic that may not be directly related to cosmic witchcraft, but it's dear to many of us and has obvious correspondences, is the tarot. Here's Jimmy Green and I talking about the intersection of science and the imagination, meaning making, and the tarot as a tool to get in touch with our own creativity. There's there's a lot of science fiction written about in the book as well that I'm writing about how 
scientists do this imaginative work and also how the imaginings of science fiction um, speak to that and reveal things to us just the same, which I think also gets to what you were saying about um, astrology and how it doesn't have to be like literally factually true, you know, like whether Venus was like over here or over there when I was born is not going to physically exert a force on my body, but it's this system for finding meaning. Um, and I think that fiction can work the same way. Um, and so, you know, I, tr I tried to write almost entirely just about fiction that I love and find really meaningful <laughs> in the book. Um, and I really resonate with that way of thinking about astrology because I've never really gotten into astrology, but for, um, for a while when I was working on the book to warm up, I would draw a tarot card and then either like reflect on it or um, do like a free write sort of inspired by it. it. Sometimes I would draw one, sometimes I would draw three. And it's never that I thought the randomness of what card I drew was telling me like there's like a fundamental truth, but there was truth to find in the associations I made with the card in the meaning that it made for me. You know, if I draw a card, does it, what does it remind me of? What does it make me feel? You know, what message does it seem like I'm looking for? It was a way of, of understanding what was going on inside me. Mm -hmm. I found really helpful before writing because like you have to be sort of aware of your own mood so that you are aware of how that's informing your writing and your ideas. And so it was a really helpful way of um, checking in with myself and like getting a sense of what's been going on under the surface of my mind as like an associative tool. Um, so I, when, you know, I, I feel like that has very similar, is very similar to how, how you talk about astrology, just as like mm -hmm. a way of connecting and making meaning and finding what we need. On a different end of the spectrum, deity work. In an episode all about Hades at the time of the Scorpio full moon in Taurus season, Angelica Cresci and I discussed the practical ways in which these connections look like in our life. And I think Hades is a great deity to work with if you haven't worked with deity before. Um, and, he's, and he's great if you have. Um, I just know a lot of people, and myself included, that he was kind of the first one. And, um, and, it, and it was great. And so how I would recommend working with Hades... Um, I really think that just creating a practice of working with him and honoring him is really important. So um, I am a big fan of prayer. I, I love prayer. It's, it's how I connect with really all of my deities. Um, I've had times in my life where I've had altars, where I haven't had altars um, due to travel and living in other areas and stuff like that. But no matter what, throughout that whole experience, um, the thing that has connected me the most to my deities has definitely been praying to them or just talking to them, just sort of inviting them into your world and your life. Um, Hades always says to me, like he always gives me the message, um, I can't help you unless you ask me for help. Like I, you need to sort of invite me to assist you. And, and I think that, you know, for most pagan personified deity, that that's sort of the case um, in spirit guides and all sorts of entities. It's sort of like you need to ask them to be involved. And so just like talking to them when you're driving or when you're walking or doing like daily tasks that you would normally do, but just inviting your deities into them. So I like to walk around town and, you know, hold maybe like 
prayer beads that I have for Hades in my hand and pray to Hades while I'm doing that or just walk and in, in, in my head, I'm sort of talking to him or I'm asking him questions. Um, you, if you're, you know, if maybe you don't um, feel like you have that psychic connection yet, you could always use tarot or another divination form, but just talking to Hades or whoever you're looking to work with, I think is going to be the best way to open up that connection. And it's very simple and it's very easy. Um, it doesn't need to be like this ceremonial <laughs> evocation event, which I think has its time and its place, but um, just being casual yet reverent and respectful and being curious, I think really works for Hades because like we said in the earlier part of the episode, like he hasn't been really worshipped even in the ancient world. Like he's just kind of been there and he has his role, but everybody else kind of gets the love and support and he doesn't. And so if you show him love and support, he's very likely going to respond to you um, if he feels like he can help you. And that's definitely something too, where, you know, certain deities sometimes are just not right for you and they'll let you know, right? It doesn't have to be this like, oh my God, should I reach out to Hades? Like, is he going to not like me? They'll let you know, right? If they're not the right fit for you. And it's really simple and it's really easy. Thank you. That's actually given me some ideas because I tend to add it to work. Probably still like the remnants of being raised Catholic. I'm always thinking everything has to be like very big and ceremonial. And yeah, mm-hmm. it's kind of, that's interesting that you actually just have this very quick connection like that without having to go through. I, <clears throat> sorry. I really kind of overuse the meditation you had in the bundle because that's kind of, I, I yeah. found it really helpful for me to kind of just like have like a date night of sorts. It's kind of like setting that time aside. I never really thought about having something more day to day. Yeah. And I think that that meditation um, where like, it's like the journey to the underworld and you're spending, you know, 30 minutes with Hades in his domain. Um, And I think just meeting with him in his domain and going to the underworld, traveling there, journeying there can be really powerful and and it can be really healing. And there's, there's so much there. Um, And I like to do that. I would say at least every couple months or, um, maybe I like to spend certain holidays, um, like Samhain or, you know, Halloween doing that, um, and, and traveling, you know, when the veil is sent to the underworld, um, or whenever you feel like you need to, but then that daily or weekly sort of casual connection, um, is, is so powerful. And even, you know, when we think about how the ancients would have worshipped, um, and, and would have worked with deity, you know, maybe it wasn't for Hades necessarily, but they personified everything in the world, like the door and like the walls and like your cups and like everything was kind of animated. And they assumed that like, like hands of deities were involved in every aspect of the day-to-day life, right? Anything that was um, mercurial, like a, like a doorway or, you know, um, like a doorknob or any sort of threshold would have been or Mercury or Mercury or Hermes. And so they would basically like say a little prayer to Mercury's whenever they Mercury, whenever they walk through the door. Um, and so that has been a part of sort of the Hellenic pagan tradition for, for quite a while, just being ca- sort of casual and bringing the reverence into the daily life. Okay. After the inner work comes the outer expression of it. The next two clips are from season three, episode one. 
talking about manifestation and creating our own reality with Calidon. 2013, I started a housekeeping business. And that's when I got really deep into manifestation. And it wasn't my first introduction to it because I was practicing witchcraft from the time I was 14, 13, 14. And so I had been introduced to the concepts of manifestation, but I didn't really understand them on a deep level. And when I started my business, I dove into the world of personal development, spiritual development. I watched The Secret. I watched um, What the Bleep Do We Know? And all those documentaries that talk about quantum physics and creating our reality. And it was like every cell in my being was like, you have just, you have just won the lottery. Like you have hit the jackpot. You need to run with this. And I started using the manifestation principles I was learning with my cleaning business and with my personal life. And I was noticing some massive transformations. And then it got to the point where I was like, I would get up at 3.30, 4 o'clock in the morning and read these books and journal and do mindset work and these different practices. And I thought one morning, I remember I was my little dog Oliver that I had at the time, he would always sit on my lap. He was a little puppy. I had my morning coffee in my journal. And I thought, I bet there's people out there who don't want to get up at 4.30 in the morning and read through books. They just want someone to help them reach their goals. And it was like, I could do that. And that's what got me into coaching. And so my coaching career all started with helping other people manifest what they want in their life and business, just using the the same things that I had done to create change in my own life. I feel what can be helpful there is looking at the underlying thing that you really want to shift and change. Because for the most part, people do spells for love, money, and health. Like those are the big three, right? I want more money. I want to have a great relationship. I want to feel healthy and energized. So when we look at what's going on beneath the surface around that, and we ask ourselves, okay, so why am I not experiencing what I want? Then we get to things like self-confidence, self-worth, self-love. And those are the bigger things. When we do magic to transform those aspects of ourself, that's when things tend to fall into place very easily and our magic like works a lot faster and more effectively because we're getting to the root cause. And I feel when we tap into those more, um, I don't want to say they're more important because the money, the health, the relationships, those are very important as well. But when we get to those underlying causes, it kind of has a ripple effect and it transforms us on a deeper level. And that's why like like I know people, they're doing money spells left, right, and center. It's like, oh, got to pay the bills. Got This came up. I got to do another money spell. It's like, well, why don't we just work on the thing that's holding you back from making more money to begin with? That's the thing that's going to unlock things so you don't have to keep doing spells like that. Next up, Lou Henwood recounting the story of how building a museum in the Philippines taught her about the freedom to be found in letting go. And one of the things that um, I noticed was in the UK, I had a real sense of I don't belong. I do not belong. I don't fit in. I just don't have a place. I really don't exist. And I think a lot of us feel this. Um, And what happened when I went to the Philippines? Of course, I didn't fit in. I didn't belong. I was quite obviously the outsider. I was at least, you know, six inches taller than the next person. I got white, blonde, bleached, short hair. And I was yelled at, not nastily everywhere, but friendly. I'm going to say the Filipino people are beautifully friendly. Hi, ma'am. How are you doing? Hi, ma'am. Because I stood out. And it took me a little bit of time, but I let the, the idea of I've got to belong go. Because there was absolutely no way would I ever belong. And it was so freeing. 
it was such a sense of freedom because I could be who I truly was. I could be and behave and stand in who I was. At the time, I wasn't registering that's what was going on because I reverse engineered this one. So I got back to the UK. But I realized that the, the freedom I had because I wasn't trying to fit in. No energy or effort going from me trying to fit in. Um, and then the other thing that I noticed, again, this is stuff that I've unpacked since I've got home, um, was when I first got there, I found it really difficult because it's a totally different culture. And of course, I went in there with this Western viewpoint that the world should act this way and you do things this way and you do things that way and you do things. This, da, 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 da. I'm trying to set up a museum from scratch. Me with my Western ideas and my business head and da, 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 didn't work. It didn't work. Firstly, I frightened most of the workers to death because I didn't smile. I was always frowning. And secondly, I was imposing my values on their culture and I couldn't see it. And I had one experience when the builders were building the museum and I was pushing, if you can imagine, pushing to get this thing done. And because they were scared of me, they always told me something had been done when it hadn't been done because they didn't want to lose face or get into trouble, which, of course, they did because I'd get there and find out it wasn't done. So it made me quite, I lost my temper quite a lot over there. Bless them. And they still love me. Um, but. One of the days the uh, builders were building a well and they'd hit the water table and they were just putting out water. Uh, bear in mind, there's no shovels, no steel. They were using coconut shells and buckets. That's it. This, this uh, well was being dug this way. And they hit the water table, but it needed to go deeper. And they were just pulling out water. So I was trying to bear in mind, I couldn't speak the language. I didn't understand the culture. I didn't understand the history. Didn't understand anything about rice farming. So this is just a fine example. If you put your mind to something and you want to do it, you can do it. Any obstacles that you've got don't need to stand in your way. If you look at the obstacles that you've got, you'll stay where the obstacles are. But if you look forward and forget about the obstacles that you have hanging around your neck, I've got two O levels. So I graduated from school with two O levels. No qualifications, really. But if I'd have kept my mindset, oh, I haven't got this experience and I haven't got that and I haven't got the qualification, it would never have happened. But I had a really clear objective, but I've gone off tangent a little bit. So these guys eventually were pulling out water and I'm miming. I can speak a little bit of my line on, but not much. So I was miming and they were saying, because they, they had a smattering of English as well. So we sort of limped along together. And I was saying to them, you've got to get deeper than that and pull out mud as well as water. I couldn't mind that. My brain and my body just couldn't work out how to mind that. So they said, ma'am, 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 it's fine. When we've got all the water out, we'll dig the dirt. Fine. OK, lovely. Ma'am, we've hit the dirt. Great. And I turn around and they're all putting their rucksacks on. What are you doing? We're going for lunch. What? Why? Because it's lunchtime, ma'am. And of course, by the time they came back, the well had filled up again. And when they all walked out, there was nothing I could do because their culture was this is lunchtime. We're going home for this amount of time. We go home to speak to our family. We go and look after our family. I couldn't interfere with that. So my frustration, I'd either got a chance of being frustrated and angry 
or letting it go. And I let it go. I was crying with laughter. Eventually, I saw the universal joke. I was crying with laughter. And I think at that point, I realized that I was trying to push, push, push things that weren't going to work in my way and getting frustrated because they weren't working in my way. And I think we tend to do that. I'm being very, you know, painting a broad canvas here. A lot of us get ourselves into stress and trouble when we're trying to control things, when we're trying to make things happen in the way that we think it needs to be done. These people knew their job. These people knew have been doing it for centuries. And there's this cocky, arrogant white woman decides she knows better. I had to let it go. So the freedom of letting that control aspect go as well was another thing that made me blissful out there. I was just almost childlike. It was gorgeous. And they have a very childlike mentality. I don't mean childish, childlike, free, playful, joyful, abulient, just gorgeous. And I, it was infectious. I, because I'd let all this stuff go, could be the same. And last but not least, the obstacle that we all face when we first begin this journey. We learn all of these things. We are fired up and inspired by the example of amazing people in this space, like the women I just mentioned. But then our blocks come up. From the season three finale, Christian Jones and I talking about the witch wound. And I would say, especially when I first started coming out of like the broom closet or the healer's <laughs> closet, I I was terrified. It took me a long time. It took me about six to nine months to actually launch my Reiki, like the energetic side of my business, because I was terrified of being judged. Hello, witch wound. <laughs> <laughs> And Relatable. right. And as soon as I started dipping my toes out myself, I started getting these silent whispers of, Hey, me too. It was people like my sister, <laughs> my mom, my aunt and my cousin, um, even friends, friends from high school and college, like just started showing up or people that I met online that I was like, I would have never known that these people were interested in some of the same things that I'm interested in as well when it comes to the spiritual side or the witchy side of, of life. Right. And so when these people come to me, I'm the first thing I want to know is um, where are you currently dipping your toes in and what is it that you're interested in? What I love about spirituality is that it's very non-judgmental. We all do things just a little bit different, but we all come together as a community. And so it's really guiding them and their starting point of awareness of where it is that they're finding joy or curiosity and a help and supporting them in playing with that area as well to really expand on that. I hope you enjoyed this memory refresher to celebrate the season of the witch. Please share it with all of the witches and witch curious folks in your life that you feel like they would enjoy being a part of this family. You can't see it, but I'm doing hard hands like I'm an idol. I really, truly, hands on heart, appreciate you and what you bring into the world. Until next time, keep living in wonder. 
Thank you for listening to the Starry Sky and Witchy Things podcast. A huge thank you to Jenna Sword at Jenna S O A R D on Instagram for the cover art and Papa Planet for the music. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to be notified when a new one comes out, please subscribe on your platform of choice. And if you really love it, leave a five star rating and review, which will help me be found by more people who'll enjoy it too. Also, feel free to share it on social media and with anyone you think should give it a shot. You can send your questions and comments to my email starryskypodcast at gmail.com or on Instagram at starryskypodcast. And you can also subscribe to my monthly newsletter at witchymusings.substack.com where I share reflections and tips about the astrological seasons. Until next time.